Hey, this is Alex Terranova, and this is the Dream Mason Podcast. We've been taught to behave, to fit in, to follow the rules, but Dream Masons reject conventional thought. Dream Masons are rebels. They take a chisel to the marble that is typical traditional life. They carve out brilliance and broadcast it to the world. Join me for another chapter as we unmask convention, embrace the rebels within us, and more deeply come to explore the complex and agitated edges of our existence. Now, before we get started, please don't be a rebel yet and grab your phone and hit that little button that says subscribe. Thank you. Because your dreams don't build themselves. Welcome back to the Dream Mason podcast. I heard a quote today that I want to share to start off this episode. The quote is, doubt kills more dreams than failure ever will. I wish I knew who said it. If you know who said it, please email me, Alex at the Dream Mason podcast. Tell me who it is. But I love that. Uh, recently, I have been looking at my own life with my clients and looking at what is stopping us. And so often it's these stories of shoulds and shouldn'ts, these ideas of why we can't do things. And rarely it's actually because we went for it and missed. And even if they we did, do we go for it again and miss? And that I heard that quote and I was like, man, it's so simple. It's so on point. And if we could stop letting doubt stop us, what becomes possible? Just perfect that I heard this quote today because my guest today is going to blow your blow all of our minds on a lot of areas like this. He he just said to me before we started we before we hit record that he's searching for the superhumans on this planet like the Jesus the the Jesus like or Jesus people. Um the, I'm saying that super weird or like Buddha, but essentially these ascended masters that we talk about that we some of us idolize, some of us just view as leaders, um, gurus, some of us view as religious leaders, but these people that are that break up what we view as possible and not possible. My guest is someone who, man, as I like did my research and looked, I was there's so much more than we're going to get in this episode. I should just start with that. We're never we're not going to even touch on the 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 magic and the wisdom and I think the adventure really that he's going to bring today. So let me give you a few, a little bit into who he is and what he's done. So he is, he wrote a book called The Zen Athlete. He is a martial artist. He's an athlete. He believes that mental training should be required for athletes, which I totally agree with. I think it should be required for everyone. Uh, he's a speaker, a podcast host. His podcast was number one in the health section of Amazon. He uh, he has spoken at the Conscious Media Festival. He is a contributor um, for, what is it? The Well, I'm going to let him tell you. He's a contributor for a bunch of online sources. He has traveled to over 30 countries. He's trained with Shaolin monks. He almost died numerous times. He's a new father. He has a 
depth of knowledge about star people. I'm going to leave it at star people so we can find out more because this is a topic that I'm super interested in. But basically, he is a man searching this globe for for enlightenment, consciousness, what's real, and the superhumans, and what's possible for all of us. I'm really excited to have Matt Belair on the show. Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, Alex. Thanks so much for having me. That's a, that's an amazing intro. I appreciate it. I, I like the like curiosity and our and uh, the way that you phrase it all, man. So it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, you're welcome. Let's just start with. You know, let's start with, let's go, let's actually start how, with the just quick, how you got here. Like, where did you, give me the short, like where you came from and how you got into this journey. Yeah, it's a great question, man. The short version of how I like to share it with people is I grew up a martial artist, you know, for as long as I can remember, I was watching those Shaolin monk movies on TV and Bruce Lee was like my first inspiration and mentor. And I, and I was just so curious about what I was capable of. So, you know, at like four, four years old, I got this red bandana on and my dad catches me outside. And well, I probably like at this point, a little bit older, maybe like six or seven. And I was punching wood and he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm trying to break this wood. Like I'm seeing on TV. And he's like, (laughs) that's hardwood, you dummy. And uh, I didn't know there's a difference between hardwood and softwood, but I guess if you are breaking wood, it's uh, it's going to be softwood most of the time, and it's not attached to your fence. And, and and I had it set up, and you know my knuckles were all you know bloodied and and all kinds of things like that. So that kind of curiosity just propelled my life. I got into hockey when I was younger and played every single sport. And in my teenage years, I moved into skateboarding. And um, I began to apply what I learned from martial arts into skateboarding because in martial arts, it's not just the physical aspect. It's really mind, body, and spirit. And they all work together. And so I used that to become a really good skateboarder. And then in my teenage years, I was just so curious about human potential, so curious about um, the limits of like consciousness and what life is and what the meaning of life is that all was very curious to me. And when I got older, I only realized that I had a little bit of a different frame of thinking because my friends weren't asking those same questions. I think it was when, you know, everyone was going to university and I was like, you know, what do you guys want to do with your life? And nobody talked about travel. Nobody talked about exploration. Nobody talked about how to build the life of your dreams. No one talked about, you know, what it means to live an extraordinary life and how would we do that? And so that's, you know, because I thought like that, it was very lonely in a lot of ways because I couldn't relate to people. People didn't want to talk about things like world peace. People didn't want to talk about, you know, how much crap is in the world and, you know, and not even look at it. And I was like, guys, doesn't this bother you like you know and we're all you guys are going to go sign up to work a job 40 hours a week and you're going to get two days off a week and you're going to get two weeks off a year you guys are going to accept that that is crazy and I just just rejected that immediately and so when everybody went to university I ended up doing two years of college and so I went to Whistler and I went down to the to the States. And I did an internet marketing seminar because I figured if somebody can make money on the internet, I can make money on the internet. And if I can have money coming into me and have a computer, then I could be anywhere I want in the world. And that's what I wanted. I wanted to travel the world and I wanted to explore. So I started looking at that. Then I ended up in Whistler and I became a snowboard coach and snowboarded about 120 days a year for eight years, became an international snowboard coach, started a couple online businesses. Um, and, and continued the research, continued researching, just reading books, documentaries, courses, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in 
personal development, personal growth, sports psychology, meditation, weird stuff like astral projection, lucid dreaming, out-of-body experiences, you name it. So curious. And um, and then just traveled when I could. And then at the end of um, my time in Whistler, I was like, I think it's about time that I start traveling the world because these other passions of mine are really coming forward now. It's something that I really want to do. I've snowboarded enough and it was amazing. Now I need to go find these places. I need to go to the places where uh, an ascended master may be. And so one of the thing was like, I wanted to be enlightened. Didn't, you know, I read books on it, but I didn't know what it meant or really what I'm reading. What has more of a grasp now. How, yeah. How would you, before you, as you keep going, like, how would you describe, what does that mean? I want to be enlightened. Yeah. So at the time, what I believed it was, was like what I would perceive Jesus or Buddha, you know? And at that time I perceived it as like floating around on a cloud in your mind, almost <laughs> like okay. you're beyond this material realm and you're always like happy, joyous, and you just have a different level of consciousness than I was experiencing because I was just experiencing the regular old human consciousness of fear, anxiety, worry, um, lack of focus, you know, all the things we experience. And now um, I see enlightenment and I always phrase it in like new ways, but I feel like, uh, you know, an enlightened person is just creating their life on purpose. Uh, you know, they understand that they can choose how they respond to a situation. So, you know, it's not just the external environment, like somebody cuts you off and then you could scream at them, flip them the bird and try to cut them off. That's possible. But maybe an enlightened person just makes, you know, takes a moment to not react emotionally um, and, and chooses a higher quality action. And so it's not as like esoteric or as crazy as I once believed it was. Um, because my first stop was to meditate with monks. I figured that the closest thing that I could find on this planet that I know of, of a real enlightened person would be either yogis or Tibetan monks. And that's when I went to China and, or not China, um, I was aiming for Tibet, but Tibet's still occupied by China, which is really unfortunate. And so I went to Nepal and went to a monastery and taught English in the morning. And then I uh, had conversations with monks in the afternoon. And I learned a lot about meditation, a lot about Buddhism, and a lot about enlightenment. And for them, they would explain it in a very real way. It's almost like making the um, – Matt Kahn actually has a really great uh, talk on it. And he just talks about you know enlightenment making that positive choice each time. Like you can make a choice that's negative, like taking the higher road. Every time you have an opportunity – to take a higher road of kindness, of love, of compassion, you take that road. You don't take the, the road of anger um, or, you know, a lower level um, emotion. So, so I did that. And then that, and then that was my big travel. And then I, then I didn't even know Mount Everest was there. So I, somebody the first day is like, are you going to trek Everest? And they're like, Everest is here. And, and I was like, they're like, yeah. And I was like, oh, I guess like I'm all the way here. I don't know <laughs> when I'm going to come back. So probably have to now. And so that's how I ended up uh, trekking Everest. I ended up getting caught in a snowstorm and nearly dying. Um, and then I went to, um, where the heck did I go? Uh, Cambodia. Uh, I was in Thailand before that training mixed martial arts at Phuket top team. And then to Shaolin monks, like my ultimate experience. So that wasn't a short version at all. My apologies, but there you go. It's all, tell, <laughs> let's talk about the Shaolin. Let's talk about the Shaolin monks for a minute, because I don't, I, I don't, I mean, I've like heard the term Shaolin monks, right? It feels very like action movie kind of thing, but I, I actually don't know anything. Like what is a Shaolin monk and like what did you get from the experience of, of being with them, working with them? Yeah. So man, they are absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know, you could go on YouTube and look at, sometimes they do performances. 
where I went, I wanted to see, I'm so curious about what human potential is. And when we talk about superhumans, like one that people are really referring to now and is very common is Wim Hof. Before Wim Hof became well known, he was breaking all these records. He was doing things that the body was not supposed to be able to do. And he's such a great ambassador for that saying, hey, we're capable of so much more. And so the Shaolin monks, they're doing things like breaking stone and brick and what they can do with their body is incredible. And I wanted to know if it was real. I wanted to know if it was possible and I wanted to know how to do it um, and if I could do it myself. And so when I trained in China, um, they had only opened up to students for the last eight years and the training was really intense. It was basically um, all day, every day, Monday to Friday. And one of the masters there could break stone with two fingers and he could break thicker pieces over his head and he could break uh, basically with every limb, his, his elbow, his knee, his, his fist. And it was amazing. And I had an opportunity to interview him. And so in the discussion, I basically said, hey, um, you know, most of the world is going to think what you do is unbelievable. Like how, how you break stone with two fingers is unbelievable. Like, how is that possible? Is it a trick? And because of the research I've done, uh, what I refer to as uh, I know a very small amount of magic, not, not a lot. And magic is like illusion and persuasion and things like that. And I think in the spirituality, personal development world, marketing world, um, you know, uh, if you look at Edward Bernays century of self, so, you know, kind of to backtrack, I was very curious about hypnosis. So just because it had to do with the mind and, you know, the society we're, we're getting really hypnotized by big corporations, big media, big television, all that kind of stuff, because they've been researching this st stuff forever. And people can look up the documentary, Edward Bernays century of self to get an idea of how that works. And I'll give you a quick one right now. Um, just don't imagine a pink hippopotamus or try not to think about an American flag on fire with people peeing on it. Um, as you do that, you just have to imagine it. And so it brings up whatever emotions it brings. And that's basically um, hypnosis. So anyway, so now we're getting into persuasion. And I don't want to get down to the conspiracy rabbit hole, but I've been through a lot of those and like MK Ultra and what's going on there and, and all the things they use to persuade us. But it's interesting what you can do with language. It's interesting what you can do with persuasion and magic. And it's interesting what you can do with hypnosis. And so I just shared words to create a feeling. And so what I refer to as black magic is when somebody will use a trick of the mind or, or so in martial arts, it would be you get a fake brick and you break it and you demonstrate it using your chi. This happens. Um, it could be um, there's a guy named Yuri Geller and he was fitting this guy's still around saying the same thing. And he's already been called out. He was bending spoons and he was saying he was using it. He's using his mind and he was teaching people and making a lot of money talking about how he's using his mind power to bend the spoon. But it was a simple magic trick. And so that to me is black magic. You're deceiving people. Mm -hmm. And so even in the marketing space and other spaces, you want to be really honest with what you're doing. So just make sure you have something of value Then market the crap out of it. Go for it. So make sure it's meaningful and worth it. And then you got it. So anyway, I had to be so I had to be sure that the Shaolin monk was okay. not tricking me because I had come a long friggin' way, and uh, you know, and so I I ask, and then uh, there's a translator. They can't speak English, and so she asks him, and he goes, "No trick." And then she looks at me as like as like, "Come come on, like there's got to be some trick." She translates it back, and he goes, "No trick, right?" Third time, I'm like, "Come on, like humans can't do that. There must be a trick." At that point, he understood what I was saying, and he just looks at me, and he starts slamming his fingers down on the table, and he looks at me and says, years, and I can't remember exactly how many years, but it was between five and eight years of both, of Qigong, 
which is like soft qigong, meditation, directing the energy, understanding the qi of the body, the body's energy system. And also hard qigong, which is conditioning the body. Outside the academy, in a part of the training that I had to do, they had trees. On these trees, there were dent holes quarter inch in from finger pokes, from them poking their fingers wow. into a tree. And so he had done this for years. And then he directs his energy, um, you know, uses his focus and all that kind of martial arts type of mm-hmm. stuff. And um, I asked him, I was like, well, why, why don't you do it all the time? He's like, well, I could break my fingers. And it was just a very human response for him understanding what he was doing each time he did this demonstration. And at that point I had such a huge epiphany because I realized that superhuman powers were ordinary, that they were possible, that we could all do it, but it required superhuman discipline. Mm -hmm. So he had done that uh, uh, the the way they train at the academies all day, every day for years. So if you put that discipline to, you know, that he used to break those stones with his fingers and show what's possible with the human body, what if you put it towards a business of contribution to others or designing your life by design, something meaningful to you? And I knew that whatever I committed to with half that amount of focus, I would have to be successful eventually. And he also said, I said, can anybody do this? And he said, yes, but most people are going to give up just before they get there even if they have the uh, mental power or the fortitude to even begin. And so I think it's a great analogy for life and how people are living their life. You know, I think people live their life by default and that's uh, what people want for you. That's what your parents want. That's what's easy. That's what's given, you know, you're good at this. So you can do that job and you, you know, society will allow for two weeks off a year and you get a better job. So you make a little bit more money or you, you, create life by design, very specifically, very on purpose. And uh, with your own alignment, with your own values, with your own system in and, and doing that deliberately and figuring it out. And so it's applying that type of focus and mindset to creating your life is a very empowering thing. And the best part of that is number one, when you die, you'll be proud of yourself. That's important. Um, number two, your life will have meaning by your own standard. That's also probably important. And, uh, <laughs> And then the third thing is you'll you'll contribute to society because when people are living their life on purpose and when they have meaning and they're doing their best by their own design, it is always 100% of the time um, congruent and uh, beneficial to other people and beings. I haven't seen one time where someone's like, I'm going to do follow my life purpose and then they're going to do something terrible to people. It's always the pursuit of just monetary gain because we live in a world where we need to survive and you need money and you also want to be indoors and you want to buy a car. So how the heck do you get that money? It's hard. And so I totally get it. But um, if you go the other way, I think it's a little bit more empowering. Yeah. And it's part of that brainwashing, like that idea. I was talking to a group of uh, executive CEOs yesterday and I shared with them one of the common things that I, that you know, people bring to me is they'll say, I want to travel the world. Well, I need to make this much money to travel the world. And as you know, and many other people, you actually don't really need much money to travel the world. You can, you need a, you need a bag and some stuff and you need to be able to maybe get some support or ask people for rides or, or find creative ways. Now you can do this with a lot of money and it'll look very different, but m- most of the things most of us want don't actually require money. The things we think we want require money. The, the house is, the, the hotels, the, the cars, but what do those things get us that lower level of like, Oh, I want joy. I want fulfillment. I want satisfaction. I want love. I want connection. I want adventure. Those things don't require any money. And I hear a lot of that in what you're saying in, in the sense of 
if you want, I love the, the piece about the discipline. If you want to live a superhero life, superhuman life, even more, even more so than superhero, it requires discipline and commitment and the wherewithal to do it every single day and even have your mind right every single moment, even when you're not doing it. Like those monks, I'm sure there were days they woke up and they didn't want to like hammer their fingers against trees or do the meditations. And what has them be these masters is the discipline to do it anyway, to even train their mind to choose it and probably find whatever they need to find in it, even when they don't want to. I want to I want to touch on what similarities because you also trained with or you went and taught I don't know if you trained with but you spoke with Native American elders. Were there similarities between like the Native American elders like mindset and the way they saw the world and the Shaolin monks? That's a really great question. I I just definitely want to share on what you just said though too because it's so important that distinction you made david goggins is really popularizing that now is basically don't be so soft every time i train i don't want to train you know what i mean <laughs> if we're going to do these things it's if you wait until you're ready then you're you're toast and you know if you want to design your life on purpose it's interesting because i had this friend and i would always ask and i always thought like this and so i would always ask people like if you had a million dollars a day for the rest of your life what would you do you know how would you spend your time and the mind is programmed to keep us safe right? So for us to survive. And so for us to survive, we need money because we need to eat. If we don't have money, we can't buy food, then we can't eat, then we die. So when you ask people these series of questions, and I've done this like my whole life, they're traveling and Burning Man and all the all the stuff. Um, people will distort the answer because let's say they want to do music or they want to travel, they want to do whatever they want to do. They can't find the money. They can't find the peace that's going to keep them safe. So their mind distorts it. Well, I have one friend who's so analytical. So on the spot, I just did a hypnosis into his heart, which is basically just guided meditation with intention. I did that, asked him a series of questions. In the middle of it, he's this business guy. He started crying. Um, it was a really powerful experience from, uh, for him. And then I realized, oh, wow, that, that process doesn't really exist. I just kind of made it up on the spot and it seems to work. And so I did it with a lot more people and refined the process and get tremendous results with it. And really what it does is your heart knows it's eternal. It knows that you're infinite, that you don't just die. It's like, you know, so uh, the second best thing that I was using up until that point was, uh, was a death meditation. I basically take people through a process. Some people call it a shamanic death ritual. Um, I just, call it a death meditation and just like, Hey, imagine you're dead in a week. You know, what did you regret? What did you wish you did? What do you want to do now? And, and it frames it in a more empowering way because people for some reason believe they're going to live forever and someday believe they're going to be happy and someday figure it out. You got to do it now. And so the beautiful part about doing that with so many different people, I've done it with multimillionaires, super successful athletes, uh, everyday Joes, lots of friends, and they always want the same thing and it becomes so clear. So if we can lead our life from our heart and our soul and use our mind to guide us and problem solve, because we're only going to know a little bit of the way. Um, I've used the analogy that's like we're in this crazy, you know, map of the world in this dark, dark forest. And all we can really see is like a few feet in front of us. And someone was telling me there's actually a Bible verse in this of the you know, God shining five feet in front of you or whatever. But that's true. You, you, each and every day is like a little bit, right? Each week is a little bit, but each day and each moment, you're going to go a little step further. So if you're very intentional and very clear, you're going to end up at a very different place doing that. But you want to move in the direction of your heart and your soul and your intuition and who you are. And if you do that, it's going to be a much more beautiful and fulfilling life experience rather than if you leave from your head, because that's always going to be fear-based and it's always going to be 
from some other influence, right? Yeah. Staying safe, staying secure, staying padded. Yeah, I, 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 my simple version of that is like your head is the thing that keeps us safe and your heart is the thing that drives the passion. So usually we have it flipped. We follow the head and then we're trying to like figure out the passion thing. But if we flip it, and I love how you said, let your mind be the problem solver. Like let your heart be the one with the steering wheel and your head can be assessing like, oh, we probably should turn here because of this. But let your heart be the one actually driving the the car or the journey and let your mind be the sidekick instead of the vice versa. Yeah, that's a great that's a great analogy. And one that I like to kind of share, too, is most people don't consider when you ask them these questions is like what direction in life they're going. They don't even know if they're going north, east, south or west. <laughs> Yeah. Well, if you start to get really clear and you say, what are my values? What are my passions? What would I do if I couldn't fail? What would I do if I had unlimited money forever and ever? How would I spend my days? You know, you would you would take care of your body and you'd figure out ways to give back. And then you would start to learn about stuff you're passionate about. But the problem is right now you have this job that takes all your time. And so you 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 rationalize it in your mind that you can't work on this stuff. And I uh, had a, one of my best friends, his birthday was recent. And I said, man, you know, he said something to me is like, Hey, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not, I haven't done anything in my life that I'm proud of for a while. And my, my friend is amazing. He's such a beautiful, awesome human being provides for his family, has a good job. And I said to him, man, that's fine. I was like, just start asking these questions. And I went through some of these questions here and I was like, just don't give it a zero every week. Right. If you're at work every week, like on the way to work, just think about this brainstorm, get yourself a journal. What could you do? Because if you do that over five years, yeah. um, you're going to be so much further. It doesn't have to be one massive step. It's a, it's continuous little steps instead. I love that. I love, yeah, it doesn't. And everybody goes at their own pace. There's no right pace to go at. Um, let's talk about those, uh, those native American elders. <laughs> What, yes. what's kind of the, <laughs> what did you get? What's like the big, I don't want like the, cause you could probably tell us hours of stories about the experiences, but what's the big takeaway you got from those native American elders and how does it relate to like the Shaolin masters, Shaolin monks? Okay. Let's see what I can do here. Um, so I met David Lone Bear Senapass, who is a Mi'kmaq native American elder of the 300 people plus I've had on my podcast and all the people I've ever met in the world, he's the most fascinating, most extraordinary, most curious person I have ever met in my life. His story goes that he spent 27 years on the side of a mountain being trained by over 600 elders from around the world. This included math, physics, engineering, chemistry, biology. And I saw him speak and they said they needed help. And this was at Gem and Jam in Tucson. And I was like, I'll help. Like, I'll try to help how I can. Watch him speak again. Then he comes on my podcast. It was episode 53. And this is a few years ago. And he blows my mind. I don't know anything about Native American history. It's a 20,000-year oral history. He comes on my podcast and he's talking about star people. He's talking about Atlantis wasn't a continent. It was a spaceship. He's talking about advanced technologies. He's talking about all this stuff. And I'm like, what is going on? And so after that podcast, I called him up right away on the phone and I said, hey, um, is what you're saying true or are you a Native American storyteller telling stories? Because it always comes back to being kind and being compassionate, working together, going towards peace. That's how it always goes back, right? And so he goes to me. He says, uh, I am a storyteller, but the stories that I told you today were true. Um, I was like, really? He's like, yes. And he goes – and I was like, okay. He's like, I could um, – because he could tell I was like a little bit in disbelief. He's like, I could put you in a tunnel and bring you 
to where I am right now. Cause he's talking about all kinds of crazy stuff. Like, you know, if you read autobiography of a Yogi, mm -hmm. uh, Yoga Nanda yeah. talks about going on. Have you read that? Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Amazing. So Baba G's, you know, materializes the palace for uh, Sri Yukitswar, you know, in this wild stuff. And I've read books like that. I've read a lot of these spiritual deep books. And I was like, whoa, is this one of those guys? I don't know. And so I didn't know <laughs> if it was like spiritual candy, right? If I didn't believe in my, if I didn't have the faith, I couldn't go. So I go, well, you don't have to, but it'd be really cool if you did. And so, and so he goes, okay, uh, look at the sky tonight. You may or may not see something. And I was at Arcosanti, which is this really cool place between Sedona and Phoenix. Check it out if you don't know what it is. It's really awesome. And I was at the lower level, and I started to walk up. I completely forgot it was night, and I noticed a, a star above Arcosanti, and it was only like 50, 100 feet above that building. I saw it. I was like, oh, my God, like what the heck? And my friend has a drone, and I have experienced UFOs before, and I have them on film. Um, they all came in lights in different ways. I've, I have several experiences, and they're documented. It's, it's crap because it's my phone, but I know what I saw. Um, well, kind of anyway. But So you, you got you to gotta give reality a chance. And I was like, all right, maybe that's a drone. And I was like, because my buddy has one. I keep my eyes on this thing. I run up the hill. I go to the right. I go to this open field. I can. I have eyes on this star. It looks like a star the whole time. Goes across the road, and I'm looking at this thing like, what in the heck? And so, you know, in all my infinite spiritual wisdom of like, okay, what do I do to get this thing to come over here? I start oming. I was like, all right, the universal sound, maybe that'll work. So I start oming, and it turns out it works. I don't know if it had anything to do with it, but it started coming closer and closer. This star gets to probably 50 feet away, 50 feet up. I don't exactly know the footage, but it was close. And actually, I, uh, if people are watching this, I have a, an image of one of his pieces of art is what it looked like. It looked like the Freemason symbol, if you've ever seen it, mm -hmm. um, that, that 33 degree. Um, it was a pulsing it was a it was a light it wasn't a physical object it wasn't making any sound and it was morphing and it had the thinnest lights out of it so at this point it's so close and i know for sure it's something i've never seen and don't understand i immediately get now afraid because of all the stuff he was saying on the podcast i'm like am i about to get portaled somewhere i don't know if i'm ready for that and so i get afraid and this thing backs up and uh, I watched it for 40 minutes. Uh, at one point, I just got bored looking at it. I have it on film. And uh, and I try to meditate and communicate with this thing. I try to communicate uh, telepathically. That doesn't work. <laughs> so then all of a sudden, the third time I went into a meditative state and looked back, it just disappeared. And so that was the first, that was after our first podcast. So that got my curiosity going. I ended up, he's like, you need to come in Maine. And he always says, come watch me speak in person. I went to go to Maine. I, I I, um, I met him in person. He had these nunchucks. And so I'm looking like, I'm not just going to believe people because I've seen a lot of stuff. Um, and I'm messing around with nunchucks. He takes these nunchucks and he looks like Bruce Lee. We go do, he, I, he gets, he trained in Shokai from some sort of master when he was hidden on the side of a mountain. He has an iron ball and a 26 foot rope that looked exactly like a Shaolin master when he had it. I used it and I whacked myself in the foot and it really, really hurt. Um, but the level of mastery for the complicate, like how complicated that thing is, he was a master at it. So again, it showed like another level. I ended up moving to Maine to spend a summer with him traveling, teaching and learning some of his history, learning some of the teachings. And it's the most mind blowing stuff that I've uh, heard. And I met Clifford Mahoudi, who is a Zuni elder before I met David. And so I had ended up seeing Clifford and I said, Hey, um, Clifford, like, 
can you vet this guy for me? I, I basically like, you need to meet this guy. Cause I need to know if what you guys are both saying is true. Cause I met Clifford in a couple of times. I met him at contact in the desert and I met him at uh, a conference in Sedona and he was sitting on the side. I said, Hey Clifford, how you doing? He goes, Oh good. And he's this really tiny native American guy. Uh, and uh, I was like, so what do you think about what they're saying? And he's like, Oh, you got, and this is a UFO conference and all this stuff about star people and aliens and whatever you can shake a stick at, right? There's a lot of stuff out there. So he just goes, oh, you guys don't know anything. They're the star people of the star nations. They've been here long before us and they'll be here long after. I was like, he's like, oh. And he's like, I was like, well, do you, you know about them? He's like, yeah. He's like, we have artifacts. We have our history, you know? He's just like, we have all this stuff. I was like, oh. I was like, well, are you going to tell us? And he goes, we're thinking about it. <laughs> so I now I've been spent, I've had Clifford on my podcast twice. I've, I've been to Sedona a few times and learned from him. I've learned a, an, a, an immense amount from David. And I also went to Guatemala for the Mayan heart festival to learn from a Mayan elder. All three of them have a 20,000 year history. All of them speak about the star people. Um, and all of them say basically the same story from different places. And I actually have an indigenous panel episode on my podcast that can, people can check out. Here's the, there's a lot to this. It's so deep. It's so fascinating. What I think and what I know is like when we came over, whatever the Westerners, uh, the Native Americans were way, were way more civilized than what they're being portrayed as. Uh, they had everything. Um, you know, when I, someone was telling me that when the British came or something, they were already speaking four languages. The interesting thing about our history is if you look at the Native American history, not Clifford, Half of the Zunis don't want Clifford to share, and he gets in trouble for it, for sharing with non-natives. David's the same thing. Not all the Native American people want them sharing that history with us. We never ask them their history. We don't know their history. But if you look at the indigenous cultures, they're 20,000 years plus all over the planet. So what is going on there? If they, they have a completely different history than the Western view, and I find that very fascinating. Um, on top of that, David's science works. He put balloons 800,000 feet into space. It's called Project Bright Star. He invented a bike that people saw as a, an electric bike that worked on a tear capacitor. It went 40 miles an hour. I don't know what a tear capacitor is. He explained <laughs> it to me. I don't get it. Um, um, it went 40 miles an hour. People saw him use it. And so when he first came out in Maine and spoke, people, you know, we're like, okay, we like the spirituality, but like the technology and the alien stuff, like, you know, we don't, we don't, we're conservative. We don't need that. Finally, somebody supports him and builds this, uh, what's called a sun house. And it's an advanced greenhouse. And he basically says it's going to grow your vegetables faster, bigger, and more nutrient dense. They fund it and it works exactly how he described. And so if he, and I had his math vetted by Robert Grant, who is this brilliant mathematician. He's on my podcast. If you want to know the leading edge of mathematical breakthroughs and somebody will blow your friggin' mind, Robert Grant, check him out on my podcast. He's making all these mathematical discoveries and people are just trying to catch up to how many he's making. And uh, I met him in Egypt in the Great Friggin' Pyramid. And it's just, oh God, well, it's crazy. Hey, <laughs> so hang on. There's, I, I, I purposely prefaced this episode, right, with people like, hey, there's going to be a lot. Because when I researched you and we just talked before we got we hit record, I the 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 adventures you've gone on, the journeys, the people you've met, there's just too much for like one episode of a podcast. Um the thing that I'm that I, I wanna really say, because I shared this with you before, like I don't know what I believe. 
You know, if you had brought this kind of a conversation to me like five years ago, I would have been like, this guy's crazy. All these things are fake. Like it would have been. I get get that. And and I don't think of myself like I think of myself as pretty like moderate in terms of like like the like liberal conservative. Not and I don't mean political, but like mindset. Like I think I'm, I'm very much in the middle. But now where through the work I've done on myself, I've become like very open minded to like, I don't know what I don't know. So there's stuff that I know that I know, right? Like I know this is a cup and I know what coffee is and I know that I'm talking to you. But then there's a lot of st- – and, and then there's things that I don't know, right, that I know I don't know. Like I know I don't know Chinese. Uh, I know I don't know other languages. I know I don't know any Native American masters. But then there's a whole realm of things that I don't even realize that I don't know. And that's makes up probably 99% of the universe. And I love your point of, hey, someone even told you something. And even though they told you and showed you, it's still, you still don't even know it. Uh, a good example is like we all use cell phones, you don't actually know how they work. I don't know how I'm talking to you wirelessly. Like it, it doesn't, but we know we're using it, but we don't know how it works. And the the thing that I love about conversations like this, and I'm, I'm hoping that all the listeners can get this too, because some of them probably are all about what you're saying. Some probably think where, you know, where I was is not to be in the like, oh, this is true. This is false. This is crazy. Like we do so much of that and it limits possibility Versus being in the like, how do I be curious about this? How do I just like listen? Worst case is it's a great story. Like worst case of anything, you know, these guys are telling great stories and you're entertained. There's nothing wrong with that either. But I love that you even recognize some of it as somebody who's gone very deep as there's some of it you understand, some of you don't. It doesn't actually matter that it's all just kind of this road to expanding your mind and it's all about expansion versus when we say that's fake, that's not real, this is this, it suddenly stops the expansion and we're, we're trapped in whatever kind of frame that we're in. So thank you. Thank you for bringing the, the, some of the like very practical and some of the kind of wild out there stuff. I want to, I want to, if we can, I want to transition because the work that you do is around is around mindset and helping, you know, athletes, entrepreneurs. But I want to know how this all connects. Like, how does the the work with the Shaolin masters, the work with the Native American elders, these experiences with UFOs and and learning about star people, how do you bring that in and then have tie that back to the people you work with to have them be more extraordinary? Well, that's a really great summary, and thank you for that. I agree that you know we only know a little tiny bit, and I can only share my experience as honestly as I can. And the challenge is, many people make shit up, and uh, <laughs> so you know, do your own research, right? And and this is just where my research and path has taken me um, to these places, and I can only report back because I'm super, super, super curious, and will continue to learn and hunt. And so that's a really great question. When I work with people. Obviously, like I have great friends, man. I'm very fortunate to have really great friends growing up, and we're still all together. And they've been hearing this stuff forever. They they know what I'm talking about. You know, they know I'm going to bring some crazy stories to them, but they believe me, and they're like, "Man, that's some crazy stuff." Like, but their minds, like they're they're not engaged. They're not there. They're just like, "That's wild." But some of them, actually, I notice over the years are more curious about some of this stuff, so I share more. So I realize that it is a stretch. It was crazy to me. You know, but yeah. what am I going to do? <laughs> so 
So bringing it all together, man, my, my goal was what am I capable of? What is consciousness? What is the purpose of life? What, what is, um, you know, what are the limits to human potential? And so this is just where it's brought me. And so really I can summarize all of this very succinctly for me. The purpose of life is simply to be alive. And that's not me saying that that's Alan Watts. Um, and I just, I like that. The purpose is to be alive and to experience life fully. You know, he has a really great talk and Alan Watts was such a master. And I believe that we're, we're supposed to be alive because in the personal development space, sometimes it's getting more like only do your F yes. Cause I go right into the weird realms too. And, but I'm also in like, Hey, like last winter doing the Wim Hof, I was in minus 20 with, you know, minus 50 with the windshield in the water, seeing if I could do that type of training without training. And I could, um, and it was terrible and it was really hard, but I wanted to push my body because we need to be grounded here. We need to know that these techniques work. I need to know if I'm going to grab that brick and I'm going to try to break it over my head that it's going to break. And am I willing to test that? I'm one of the crazy people that might try to test it once I figure out the process. So processes work or they don't. Um, one of the greatest teachings, the greatest teaching I have ever learned in spirituality is to do three kind acts a day to go out of your way to do it and to not tell anyone. And that came from uh, David Lombear. And I love that. So I learned, I've learned a lot about spirituality and being a good human from him. And when we move into the world of personal development, it comes down to just a few things. Who are you? What are your passions? What, who did you come here to be? What do you want to do? How, what is a life fully expressed and vibrant and meaningful look like to you? Have the courage to go get it. So the mindset around that is getting clear on who you are and not um, distorting or not changing that direction for fear of failure, for fear of other people's opinions, and having the persistence each day, every day to show up and use your mind to solve that problem of the moment, that problem of the day to get you to that next step. That's it. It doesn't matter if you believe in, in you know, out there thinking, you know, you can look at the, the work of Dr. Joe Dispenza and people carrying themselves of terminal illnesses through meditation alone. Uh, there's a lot of research out there that shows that the mind is really powerful, but you use it that as a tool to go along with all this other stuff. You can look at the work of uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton. So some of this really out there mindset stuff is, is being proven, and but it's not just the answer. You can't just go take that as the quick pill. I've also been looking for that quick fix. You know, what's the key? What's the secret to enlightenment? What's the secret to living my dreams? What's the secret to making a million dollars? Well, I've spent a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of effort trying to figure that out. And really what it boils down to is really knowing who you are, who you actually are to your core, being 100% honest and authentic with that. And then having the courage and dedication to do what it takes to live that life and, and, and continue trying and, and be kind along the way if you can, because it's a very challenging road. What's the biggest challenge that you face like personally to create the life that you're building? Oh, the, the entire journey, the, the biggest challenge has been financial. How do I afford to get this training? How do I afford to travel the world? How do I afford to continue all of these, do all these things that I want to do? That's been the hardest thing of piecing that together. And because I don't um, like waver, I'm like, I know that I need to be somewhere. I just figure it out. And I go all in all the time. When I had the opportunity to train with the Native American elder, that was two summers ago. And I had a $27,500 loan that I kind of burned through traveling and doing the podcast for two years full time. Um, 
you know, obviously it doesn't, I, I, I posted, I'm about to get a million views on YouTube and you can see the money I made is like 1400 bucks for five years <laughs> and a million views is like, you know, I'm definitely not making money off this. Um, and so I had an opportunity to train with them and I had that loan was done and I had a credit card that was maxed out. It was 5,000. And when I bought the tickets, it was going to be 4,000 or $5,000 and I do coaching, but I don't focus on coaching all the time because I can't do the podcast. Podcast is my highest service. It's my highest joy. It's what I want to do. It's what I knew I had to do. So if I had 40 clients and I focused on the marketing, I focused on client acquisition, I focused on giving great value because if I am coaching, I'm making sure that I, you were getting that, what you pay for. I'm, I'm showing up so I can only have a few. Mm -hmm. So I sign it. Uh, I, I get the flight. I have nowhere to live. I can't afford the rent. And and it's $4,200 on my $5,000 credit card. When I land in Maine, I have a place to stay for free. Uh, shout out Berta and Ken, beautiful, amazing people that gave me a corner of their farmhouse. I ended up getting two clients paying upfront for uh, three months of coaching each, which paid off my credit card. And I had enough to go. And I spent the entire summer learning from this Native American elder. So the challenge has been, how do I figure out how do I get to that next step of my highest joy? How do I take that next step? I know I need to do this. And it's always a challenge. It's never been like, oh, I've got this money that's come in. Oh, I've got this private investor. Oh, I've done this. You probably can do it smarter. Right now, I'd advise people like saving up a bit of money and doing that. But that's how I did it the first time. I sold cars and uh, then I traveled for six, seven months, came back, sold cars again, and then traveled since and kept making money online so I could keep going. So the, the, the challenge, the biggest challenge is staying consistent and honoring yourself. And if you can do that over and over, you're going to watch the universe sort you out. It's like, you have to jump off the bridge to see spirit source the universe or your soul or whatever you want to call it, do something. And when I've done that, the universe has always yeah. responded. It's never let me fall flat on my face. I've been broke many times. I've been in debt many times, but I've always had food. I've always had water. I've always had shelter. And in the end of this rant, I always like to <laughs> let people know is like, you're more powerful than you give yourself credit for. What's the worst thing that can happen? If you, if you go all in on your dreams, you talked about failure at the beginning. And I think that's so important. And when I'm coaching people, I like to say, because they have this dream like, oh, what if I fail? I'm like, you want to get to the point where everybody you love and everybody on the internet and everybody in the world writes you a handwritten letter about why you suck, why your <laughs> podcast sucks, why your music sucks, why you should just quit. And if you can get comfortable there, keep doing it because that's the thing. The only reason why it hurts your feelings is because it's the honest mm. expression of who you are, mm. you know? Yeah. And so follow that impulse, do it regardless because it's holding you back that fear of what other people are thinking and, and it doesn't matter. So if you can be honest and authentic and congruent each and every day and piece it together because it's not fully formulated. It's not trust fund stuff. It's not any of that. It's, you know, if you're even, and I know people who, who have resources and when they're going all in on what their sole purpose is, it's scary and it's not guaranteed and it's frightening, but they know it. And we all know it because it's of service. It's of contribution. It's who they are. And so everybody is going to have that requirement. So the challenge is to continue to honor yourself every day and, and not to waver. I, I think if it's not scary, you're doing something wrong. If you're living a life and you're not scared, if you're not afraid of the, the love that you're in, the relationship, and I don't mean like you should be afraid of the person. I mean, like they could die. They could leave. Like if you loved so hard that you were afraid of losing it, that's 
the furthest you can go. You're out of your comfort zone and love. You're breaking open to a new place. In a job, if you're trying to get that job that you're not ready for, you're afraid. If you're starting that business, writing that book, putting that creative thing out in the world, it should be scary. If it's not, you're still inside of your comfort zone and you're playing it safe. I love how you just talked about that. Um, I want to touch on, and I don't know that you have something on this, but I'm curious and I, I, I have a gut feeling that you know something. Um, and it's something I'm very curious about that I'm kind of venturing into, which is plant medicine. Are you, is that an area that you have, uh, experience that you have something that you could share, uh, the value of it, what it's done for you, what you've learned about it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my first, I, I've done ayahuasca. I've done ayahuasca, I think, eight times. Um, I've done mushrooms a handful of times, and and I found them to be very beneficial experiences when I did them. And that was a long time ago. I only have one person that I trust that that suggests not to do plant medicines, and that's David Lombear Senapas. And I want him to do a podcast to fully explain it. But what he shared with me was that you know you can get to these states without the medicines. Um, and what is more beneficial than the medicine is people working together in community, because if we work together in community, you can do all these mystical things. Mm. So I think that there's a space for plant medicines. I think that many people have had amazing experiences and there's a lot of research out there about how mushrooms have helped and how ayahuasca has helped a lot of people. Now that's all positive stuff. And I agree with that because I've seen the transformations in other people. What I have also witnessed is there is a there is a darker side to the psychedelics that people aren't talking about. Some people have mental illness. Some people aren't ready for that type of experience. Some people um, have negative experiences, and so it's just to to use it responsibly, use it sure. cautiously, um, in, in the right environment with the right people under the right circumstances, and only do it if you're ready to do the work. You know, after. You, when I went to my first Burning Man and and uh, I was so excited, I was like, oh my God, like these are the people, these are the people that care about world peace. These are the people who really want to get stuff done in the world. And what was so disappointing to me was that how many individuals would go to that place, would have those conversations. And then after the burn, they their jobs weren't in alignment. Like in, yeah. in, um, in Zen, they talk about right, right livelihood in Buddhism, right livelihood. Well, is your job right livelihood? Is it contributing to other people? Is it aligned to who you are? Or you're just getting mangled on all the drugs you can for that week, which is in the, like, oh my God, it's uh, as far as it experiences on the human planet, it's amazing. It's absolutely out there, but like, can you integrate it? Can you then get that impulse and that knowing and then do the hard work, the work when no one's watching, the doubt, the fear and all that and walk that path. And I've seen a lot of people um, do it and then not integrate the ayahuasca, not continue the path, not um, continue forth and then using it as a crutch. I've had people tell me that, you know, you know, somebody, I'll leave their name out of it, but they're, they're a big name person and they're involved with ayahuasca and they just did something super incongruent and I just called them out on it. And, uh, they, their answer was, you know, you need to do more medicine to understand. And I was like, no, I don't. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but so, yeah, so go ahead. So I think that what I'd like to share from that is they can be useful. They can be powerful, but what I've noticed since, cause I was into it a long time ago was that now the, uh, authenticity and the, um, experience can be lessened. It's diluted. That's the word. There's mm -hmm. many experiences. Like you, you can get it. I heard about someone near Toronto doing ayahuasca experiences with like, you know, a DJ dance party. And that, from what I understand of it, I was like, what? 
no, that's not how that works. Oh my God. And then so, uh, yeah. So just being mindful and doing your research Yeah, and you can do it, you know, to each their own do it. It's just not the way that I do it. Yeah. I think, I mean, you touch on it, right. Cause we can use, it's not necessarily about ayahuasca or any plant medicines. It's more about like what you're doing with it, how you relate to it. Right. If you want to do it in one way, that's fine. I'm, I'm looking at it really from the context of this conversation for spiritual growth, spiritual depth, um, opening up your consciousness. I love that you pointed to, there's a lot of people that use it and get powerful, get powerful, uh, results, let's say from that. And then there's also people that you respect that say, Hey, you can do it without that. So you ultimately like anything else have to make a choice as an individual. Um, yeah, I wanted to say one more thing if you don't mind. No, go ahead. Because I was interviewed on this uh, conference, uh, Psychedelics and Business, and it was a really great conference. And again, there's a lot of research out there about how mushrooms have benefited people, ayahuasca is countless, all kinds of great stuff. So uh, I know that exists and I know that's real. That's amazing and I'm down for it. What the suggestion is, is the integration. That's where I'm like, hey, a lot of people just aren't integrating that experience. They get this amazing experience and nothing in their life changes. So if that's the case, if you're if you're experiencing life now and you want something to change, you go, okay, what would ayahuasca give me? What, what is it that I want from ayahuasca? What is it that I want from taking a heroic dose of mushrooms? Um, what is the benefit? Write that down on a piece of paper because what you're looking for is spiritual intervention. You're looking for intervention from God or source. You're looking for help. You're looking for guidance. You know where you can get that? Yourself. You can get that from your body. And what's required is you write it down every single day. You get out into nature and you just keep asking. And you, and you show up every single day. And it's just like anything else. You continue the prayer. You continue the ask. You continue to get out into nature. Um, you know, one of the – David had me doing all kinds of weird training all the time. And I never understood it. But one of them was just, you know, go out in nature every single day um, into the forest and put your feet in the water and stuff like that. And when I started doing that, what I realized is like, oh, it's so simple. Uh, I'm just disconnecting from my media because I'd go weeks at a time, like not getting out. I'd go to the gym and then I'd come home, but I wouldn't be in nature and I Mm -hmm. love nature. And so it's making time in your day for source or spirituality or God or whatever to say those prayers, to write them down so that they're heard and watch a spiritual intervention happen. And I had another recent one for me and it was humbling and I cried and I was like, thank you. You know, I have a a daughter now and, uh, you know, I've committed all my life to just doing the best I can with following those impulses. And I needed to figure out how to create a business because, you know, my partner got half her wage. And I was like, do you want me to stop the podcast? What do I do? Show me how to figure this out. And I had it not figured out and it was super stressful on my partner. And I didn't want to do that to her. And I didn't want to do that to my daughter. And, and after six weeks, I prayed for six weeks, man. And, you know, just uh, last week, I just had so much line up in such a beautiful way. When I'm looking at a job, I'm looking at a private job, you know, I have, you know, quote unquote success with, um, you know, 3 million plus downloads and listens to the podcast and, and all this stuff. But I can't, I can't figure out my situation financially because I've never seen it as a business. Yeah. Never did it as a business. I it never crossed my mind. And so to see it shift and it doesn't, cause it doesn't happen immediately. You got to continue to do it, but then you can watch and you can see that you are supported, that the universe does have your back. You just need to show up. I, I love you. You brought this before and I want to kind of end on this. You, I love earlier in the podcast, you said, you know, even when you fall, like the universe doesn't like drop you completely. And I think uh, there's another piece to that, which is even if it does, where like you do hit rock bottom, like there's always an opportunity on the other side of it, right? The sun always comes out after at the when night ends, there's always light at the end of the tunnel. But 
and something else you said at the very beginning is often we stop before we get there. And so whether you're putting yourself out on that limb or going for that thing that remember that there is that light on the other side, that you just might not be there yet. Dude, thank you so much. Um, I'm definitely going to want to do this again. There's there's more that you can share. I want to know so much more about star people and like this conversation. And like I said, I just find it so interesting. And it's it's stuff I don't know about. And I love learning about things I don't know about. But Matt, thank you for being here. Thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for even sharing at the end. Like, hey, you've had all this success in one area. And I bet people see you and they think like, oh, my God, he's so successful. He's probably making so much money. And then you're like, yeah, I haven't actually figured out this one other part yet, which shows your authenticity, shows how real you are, which is something that I was able to see online. But thanks for bringing it and showing it here in real life. Just the 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 playfulness, the wackiness, the brilliance, the wisdom, the adventure. You brought it all here today. Uh, if people need to go check out your website, Matt Belair, B-E-L-A-I-R.com. You Zen Athlete is the book. You can find you on what is it on Instagram? It's Matt Belair also, right? Yeah. And on YouTube, is it Master Mind, Body, and Spirit, or is it Matt Belair? Uh, I got Matt Belair show. If you Google my name, you're gonna find me all okay. over, dude. Again, thank you so much. Super grateful for your time and what you brought. Oh man, yeah, I really appreciate it, and thank you guys for listening. I just want to acknowledge you for the work and what you're putting out in the world because it takes a tremendous amount of effort to um, make it work and to have that intention. And if you look at everything you're putting out there, from your website to the podcast, it has a beautiful intention. So, thank you so much for having me on the show, man. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Honestly, I'm just a rebel who found a cause and has a dream, and I'm super grateful for your support. If you got anything from this please help me out and share this podcast with one person today. You can find me at thedreammason.com or at inspirationalalex on Instagram. You are a dream mason because your dreams don't build themselves.